We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike, and we are recording the morning of the final Lakers Summer League game. And so today, I wanted to recap uh, Summer League, specifically five guys that I think are on the Lakers' radar. You have the star of the team, Max Christie, the second-year player, the pick from last year who everybody hoped would kind of take a step forward and I really thought did over the course of the Summer League. Then the picks from this season, Jalen hood Shafino, our first round rounder, and then Maxwell Lewis in the second round. And then our two-way guys, the new ones, especially in Des Moines Hodge and Colin Castleton. And so those are the guys I kind of want to focus on in today's pod. And the team's record as we record this is two and four over the course of Summer League. We'll see if they win their last game or not. I think the top end talent is actually a little more encouraging than the record will kind of uh, indicate. Just I think we're a really small roster. And so once other Summer League teams just started figuring out, oh, we can just go through those guys, um, then things got very difficult in terms of wins and losses. But I'd love to start with Max. Mike, you were in Summer League. You're a big uh, Max Christie fan, as we all are, but he's somebody that you've always been very vocal about. And his Summer League kind of reminded me of the one that Josh Hart had a few years back when Hart won MVP of it, where it's like, it's this 3 and D guy that you're that you like going into his second year. And Summer League gives the opportunity for those type of guys to have the ball a little bit more than they probably will in the regular season. And it's interesting to see what an off-ball guy, quote unquote, does with that opportunity. And I couldn't have been happier with Max Christie's performance in that respect. Still some uh places he needs to level up, but Mike, I just thought he had a fantastic summer league. Max has been great. He I think the first thing that's stands out just being there and being around him is he's super focused uh, and he's super focused on being a really good NBA basketball player. He wants to be a part of the rotation next year. He wants to play as many minutes as he can. And I guess the bo- the most informative conversation I probably had about it was actually with Cole Swider because, you know, Max is very uh, like he's he's the kind of guy I think you if you're like an older dad or something and he comes over with uh, on a 
and he's about to take your daughter to prom. He's greeting you with it with a handshake. How are you doing, sir? It, like he's looking you right in the eye. You know, he's very earnest in that way, um, which I think is uh, which I think is has says something that not always everything, but he's he's just he's very pure in that way. Like when you when you're talking to him in person, um, at least for me, then. I was talking to Cole Swider about him and he's like, man, sometimes like I have to tell Max to kind of chill a little bit. Like he'll, he'll try to go in the cold tub like twice a day and he'll go in there every day up to his neck. Like he'll, he, he does every single shooting rep that he can. Um, he is, he's been watching his diet since he got into the NBA and we see what he looks like from a, how chiseled he is standpoint. So all of the things that these, these periphery type elements that I think, you know, like when I first got into the NBA, fewer players were doing it that way. There were a couple like Steve Nash, Kobe, um, certainly LeBron, I think popularized that even a little bit more um, along with Kobe and Nash. But like Max just came into the league with that mindset from the start. And I want to learn and I want to listen. And and he then got to watch LeBron and how he goes through a regular season um, for last year. And then he got to watch how LeBron and AD act during a playoff series. So he's taking all of this stuff in from a mental standpoint. And meanwhile, his physical skills, which is what you know we can see on the court, have evolved as well. Um, the shooting, particularly from three, look at where the percentages have gone. But to, that that to me has been is what it requires, I think, to be kind of a total package type NBA player, uh, where you're you're really not just thinking about yourself from a mental or from a physical standpoint, but a mental standpoint to make yourself into the best pro that you can. And I I just was I've been really impressed with Max because of all of those things and. Let me see territory here for you guys to talk about the basketball differences um, that you've seen since I kind of covered a lot of the off-court stuff. Mike, those are great points just about his seriousness. It, it comes off in pretty much every interview that he's done. And you can tell that he is super focused and understanding, too, like Max is going into a contract year. Of course, he wants to play as much as he can. Like beyond the competitiveness side, this is his chance. Um going into this second season where his contract expires at the end of this season. So he rightfully wants an opportunity to show what he can do at well, at the NBA level. Pete, one of the comments that he made even coming into summer league was about his desire to even want to play like during the playoffs this past run. And we sort of talked about him as a potential option, just as this this three and D wing that sort of knows what, what he's doing. I'm glad you made the Josh Hart comp because that's kind of how I felt about him a little bit too. Just I, the only thing I wanted to add on Hart, like Hart was 23, I think yeah. in his second series. So that's another thing to be just in Max's favor. Like he's 20, you know, he just turned mm-hmm. 20 uh, and he's still got clearly some more growth. Whereas Hart had like won a national championship, you know, and, and had his, his size and strength and his full confidence. Yeah. 100% Mike Pete. One of the things that, I looked at this summer league as was actually a culmination of a year's worth of work. Agreed. Rather than like, oh, he made this leap. This is about a year from when he first started in an NBA program. And these strides have been incremental yes. over those 12 months. And, and and so to me, this was like a coming out party of sorts of like, look at all I've been doing for 12 months, not this is the work I've done in the three months since the NBA season ended to when now it's summer league time. I think that one of the great things about this summer league, and this applies to Max, but also the other prospects, is that we got to see a lot of what they're good at, but then hit certain levels where they start to struggle. And that's a great kind of just place to go forward on, right? And so with, with Max, like, 
you learn after you draft a player kind of what he's about and what kind of guy he is. And what Mike was describing earlier, Max is an obsessive, right? He's somebody that he has a plan. When you listen to him talk, it's very apparent he has a plan for his career. Like, yes, it's a contract year and obviously he's going to want to play well and get the best contract he can. But I think it's beyond that, that like he's had a plan since he was something teen years old of where he wanted to go in his basketball life. And last year with the circumstances, like you're right that it was a gradual, you know, progression over the course of the last year, rather than like he went from one thing to a completely different thing when he showed up at summer league today or, you know, over these last couple of weeks. And so that Mike, that like obsessiveness is something that really stands out. Like he was asked this great question about the hand battles and hand fighting that that's part of the video that I'm working on, on Max right now. Um, that is, it's just super cool. And he, he shot right back with this great response about like, understanding how to not get knocked off of his line. He showed some tricks of the trade that I'll kind of highlight in that video. But Mike, that at his age, you know, with his talent level, you know, and then combined with his length, that was something that just from a physical standpoint, just moving beyond the mentality, his length, I thought really impacted him on both ends of the court. Just an unbothered three-point shot, blocked, I think, over two shots per game, got, you know, several on-ball deflections, just a lot to like there, man. Yeah, and this is where we've had some experience now the last several years with what it's like for a player who is either drafted later um, or not drafted at all and trying to like see what their talent level actually is on the court versus them having to vault guys that were either higher picks or you know veteran free agents or mini mid-level type guys. Like an example would be, of course, Austin Reeves, you know, having to having to fight his way out of the undrafted slot to, oh, we're going to play him over the second rounder? Okay, yeah, got to play him over the first rounder? Yep, play him over some of the vets. You have to kind of get through all these steps in an NBA locker room, um, unless the the talent is just so obvious right away. But when the talent is steady and the work is there, then that those uh, those ladders or those levels can kind of be jumped um, a little bit earlier. And so for Max... You know, why does he even go for a player that's like this that seems like, you know, we think could be a real two-way NBA player? Why does he go in the second round? Well, he didn't shoot the ball well at Michigan State in his first year. But when you look back at it, this is my whole thing, right? If he would have made 10 more shots, then all of a sudden he's at 39% instead of 32%. And so what the stroke we've talked about last year in several pods, uh, Pete, about how like what his shooting motion was like then versus now. And he was a high intensity defender for Tom Izzo in a system that really demands that. He was the ol- only the second freshman in Izzo's coaching career to play 30 minutes a game. And so like sometimes you're not going to shoot the ball as well when you're defending your ass off. Right. And so like you got to be able to see beyond just the the shooting percentages. Yeah. And so that's what that's what you know, Jesse Buss and Rob Palenka and like the Lakers, I think saw like, wait, look at, look at this. And remember they bought that pick uh, in part. There was mm-hmm. one other player I think that they liked and they were like, we think that at least one of these two is going to be there, but Christie was the one that they wanted. Uh, and these are reasons why, because in he all Darius has talked about this. He had the pedigree, um, right? He was the all American, uh, the McDonald's all American the year before. So to be able to get him where he is, let's say, let's say that he goes back to Izzo a second year and I think that he would have improved uh, to the, where the, the, the three-point stroke would have looked better, right? Everything would have gotten better, just like we just saw him get better, because that's obviously who he is. Well, then where would he have gone in this year's draft? You know, a lot higher. And so you, I, I think mm-hmm. that the way that that even from a fan standpoint, 
when you're not a first round pick, there's there's a it's harder to just believe the talent that if you if you took away everybody's draft position and just watched the summer league games, you'd be like, was that dude like a that he was a lottery pick, right? And and that but that image takes some time to get to. And I just think that internally the Lakers have seen him more like that. And you know, the question now, and it's really about the coaching staff, in how much does Darvin Ham trust that? How much does he does he give Max that first bite at the apple as opposed to a, a veteran, even if a young veteran, like a Cam Reddish or something um, in the backcourt? Whereas last year, Beasley was going to get those opportunities over Max, even if we thought on this podcast maybe Christie could have been better in some of those situations. So he's like he's up another rung on the ladder, uh, I think, heading into training camp. But he's still got some he's still got some climbing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I my confidence level having been around him a lot and watching him is that like he will get there. Um, it just it's just a matter of time and opportunity. And when does that come? Pete, the interesting thing to me about Max is that even though he had the ball a lot more, you could still see how these on ball skills that he was getting reps at during summer league, how those could translate to a more off ball role with the Lakers, right? And so, like, the off-the-dribble shooting, that's still going to be important regardless if you're a spot-up player or not. Guys are going to close out on you. You're going to have to be able to attack a closeout, one or two dribble, sidestep dribble, pull-up three, like, pull-up mid-range jumper. Those are skills that he was already showing last season. Second-side guys, weak-side guys, they're going to get pick-and-roll opportunities with the Lakers in this offense that they run. So even though he was doing a lot more like strong side creation, those skills translate to being a weak side player too. Was there anything in particular that stood out to you um, watching him? And I know you're working on a video now so that you could give us a little bit of a taste of like how you see it translating to playing with the big club. So one thing that stood out to me as being somewhat unusual is his comfort level and maybe even preference to drive left instead of right. Uh, A lot of his drives were driving left, even going into his pull-up, which is a little more common, but like he was going to the hoop all the way, going that, you know, going left. Had a couple early on in the Cali Classic where he, uh, you know, planted his foot in the ground and shot like a little hang, hanging floater type of thing over the top. And that was another thing that stood out to me is that's where his length really shines through is just, he's got a high release point and he elevates pretty well on his jumper. And so, um, like he was very unbothered by contests. That's one of those things about the young players. I think the Lakers and the Nuggets in a lot of respects are going to have a few young players that like have a shot to crack that you know, playoff rotation, we're going to try to win a championship type of group, but they got to earn that, I think, over the course of the season. And one of the things that I, I look for, I think, more and more in in younger players is, can you shoot the highly contested ones? Can you like, you're like, you're not going to be as open that off as often in the postseason as you are in the regular season. So when you do have a guy that is really hauling ass to close out to you, and that's one thing that's great about summer league, Mike is very high competitive level, obviously not the talent of the NBA, but all those dudes are playing for a job in some respect or another. So the level of competition is really high. And so something like closeouts is something where you don't see many guys like, ah, you know, I'll, I'll get it next play type of thing. It's like, no, they're trying their very best because they know on for most of those guys, that is how they're going to get 
playing time is starting on the defensive end. And so Max's ability to knock down threes just as a spot up guy and then drive left. And he's totally comfortable driving right. But the way that teams close out to you, the defense is what's determining which direction you have to go in when you catch that shot and they're chasing you off. And you see that a lot in the playoffs. It's like, oh, you don't like going left? We're totally influencing you to a drive to go to your left. And so that comfort level going either way and then just the length on the jumper just look great, man. Really projects well, I think, as a as an off-ball guy. And I think that Summer League is also interesting in that, yes, everybody's playing hard and everybody's trying to prove something, but some guys are better at doing that within the context of team basketball than others. And this is part of where I think of Austin. And like we didn't see Austin like try to take over Summer League um, in ways that in hindsight, he probably could have uh, to a greater extent with with what he could do on the ball. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that I, I'm glad that Max has, has had some more opportunities um, to do that in the, in the summer. But like he still he does it in a controlled kind of direct manner. Uh, and because now since Max is going to look to try to get a rotation spot, well, he knows what this team needs. Like he's he knows what LeBron may be do. He knows that Austin's going to be out there and D'Angelo Russell and all these high usage guys. And that I think is the beauty about Max is that we've seen now that he's got some more of this stuff and that's great. But uh, one of the things that I like about him is that he doesn't feel like he has to do that stuff um, to, to show what he, to show who he is as a player. And he can be a really good complimentary type of a, a player. Um, later on, it, I think it's important that those things continue to come out more and more, but mm-hmm. like for next year, um, that's, that's what like, think about how, what Austin did in his rookie year when he actually got playing time. And, you know, he was really doing much more of sort of the role player, move the ball on sometimes too much, right? Like don't necessarily yep. take all of the open shots, um, defend. And to, to be able to have that from a mentality standpoint is great. The last thing I wanted to add on Max Pete is like, we've talked for 15 minutes or so about Max Christie and we've focused almost all of our conversation on offense. And that to me, is indicative of the idea that to me he's already showing that he's he's already shown enough to me that he's an NBA level defender. Most times we're talking about a young player mm-hmm. and we're like, yep. oh, offense is the side of the ball that comes more naturally to young players. They've typically been stars either yep. in high school or or in college, and it's finding a way to channel their offensive game so that it it coalesces within a pro style offense or within the team that they're joining. But Max is already a good defender, Pete, and he and he showed more of that during the summer league. Well, what style of defender is he? Like, I agree with you that he's a good defender, but when you watch him, what are the things that he's good at? Well, one of the things that I think he's particularly good at is dropping his hip and sliding in order to get that into a play in order to contest. So Max is a taller player. He's a legit Six 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 seven, and he always plays with his arm up. Like if he's anywhere around the ball, he's going to have his arm up very early, and so that that adds on to that six foot six. Yeah, well, also too, like it's hard to play because he's playing half contest, half slide with like yeah. his defense, right? And so he sits in a bit of a higher stance than mm-hmm. than other players because he wants to be able to contest high once that shot goes up, especially those off the dribble pull up shots, right? And so. When you're already a little bit higher in your stance, you're more susceptible to getting driven by. And so that ability to drop your hip on that first step and slide and then turn full and recover Mm -hmm. in order to contest, that's where he's getting 
these block shots. It's like these guys think that they're by him. Yep. They go into a 15 foot pull up and here comes Max sort of like, I'm already there and I'm back. And the length is super important there as well. Mm -hmm. And, and it certainly aids in this, but that's one of the places where I am impressed with him is he has a tenacity on the ball, but he's got great heart and diligence in terms of his recovery. And for a team that wants to play in a drop coverage, that recovery Mm -hmm. and that ability to provide back pressure is super important. And and it's one of the reasons why I'm intrigued by him as a rotation player this early in his career, even on a team that has as much guard depth that this team has. Yeah, I think that that exact point there, that ability to do that sort of work on the ball, the guards are asked to do a lot of work in this defensive scheme. and. His motor and attributes, uh, he's still – this is why I keep saying I wish he was 23 is that he's going to lose some strength battles that are just a result of him being 20 years old um, that he makes up for with his length really well. But if he was 23, he'd have some of that strength or at least a little bit more of it. Um, And anyway, I I can't wait to see what Max becomes. And I think that because of that, what he adds on that end, I think his ceiling for what his role could be is actually really high on this team. I think there's there's a universe where he's starts at some point this season precisely because what he brings to the table but a uh, lot of work ahead right and so we'll talk more about his about some of his weaknesses and uh, uh, some of the next steps of his development as time goes on but let's take a break here and when we come back get into some of the other guys we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment 
and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Jalen Hood Shafino, what an interesting player. Uh, Darius, you just wrote a piece on him for a silver screen and roll. Talk to us about what you saw from the point guard out of Indiana. I'm glad you said point guard because yes, he sir. very much is a point guard. Like He's a 90s I, player, man. I knew nothing about him coming into the draft. And then we had Jacob on the pod and go back and listen to that pod if you want more information on JHS from someone who watched him every day in college. But I knew nothing about him. After the draft, Mike, I was listening to a lot of like national pundits and people who cover the draft for a living. And all of them pretty much agreed that Huchifino was a talented player who was a good value pick at the place where the Lakers got him. They all saw him in that sort of 13 to 20 range. The Lakers were drafting at 17. Like that's a good pick there. But there were questions about his fit particularly on like a LeBron James-led team, right? Like Huchifino wasn't necessarily a three-point shooter. Um, he's While his defense translates, it's just like he was a bit more of an on-ball player and didn't show a lot of work as an off-ball player, which is stuff that Jacob talked about in uh, the pod as well. And so I went into Summer League hoping to find out more information about how he might fit into a roster and instead i started to get these 90s flashbacks like pete was alluding to of a really strong physical guard on ball player who is a real point guard and the lakers have not had a young point guard prospect like this um i don't think really since nick van exel like they drafted Lonzo Ball to play point guard. They drafted D'Angelo Russell to play point guard. Those dudes were not this type of point guard. Yeah, stylistically different. Yeah. I'm super intrigued by him. He showed good off the bounce shot creation skills. He really showed the ability to make passing reads out of the pick and roll. How many skip passes did he throw to like wide open shooters on the weak side? Because he was reading the tag man appropriately and when the guy didn't tag he was going in and shooting his little mid-range or shooting his floater and getting those shots off pretty cleanly he showed more ability to get to the cup than what was advertised from him coming into the draft I was just really impressed by him I thought his defense waxed and waned a little bit more than I would have liked but he's a physical strong guard and he was showing a competitive a competitiveness in terms of recovering back into the action as well that that I thought was super um impressive and important for a guy who is as young as he is so I came away pretty impressed with him as a young prospect I don't know where he's going to fit into a <laughs> rotation with a ton of guards but mm-hmm. but I liked him a fair amount in from what we've seen from him so far yeah I I definitely see it with him in in terms of the um what he brings to the table. I think he is first and foremost a defensive guard in terms of I I think what's the surest thing about him on the NBA level and then he's got a lot of intrigue uh on the offensive end. There are a couple of crossroads points I think with him that are going to determine if he's a really good player or if he's a guy that's that's kind of on the fringes and one of them is he's got this really good feel on the pick and roll, right? And this is something that, you know, you kind of alluded to, D, but um, makes really good reads, plays with pace. He's strong. So he's this 6'6 guy, but he's definitely a point guard. Like that is 
he's not one of these combo guards or as you know as time has gone on the positions have become a little bit more blurred he's that 90 style point guard that you're alluding to but he's also 66 and so he's got a level of physicality on offense even that he got to the line really well like you said he got to the basket better than expected where some teams tried to ball pressure us and he would go through them that said, that's usually though when it was in a drop coverage type of situation, when they kicked our butts against Memphis when Max was out, and we couldn't score in part because they switched everything Memphis did. And you've got these bigger bodies that that Jalen couldn't overpower, and his jumper isn't there to that point, and it's streaky, right? Like he'll hit some, he hit a couple step back threes, and he hit some threes in in summer league. They were like, oh, that was a nice shot, but he's also not dependable at all on the. You should probably make this clean look with your feet set. So th- the jumper is one of those crossroads points, just the make your open ones type of thing. Um, but really, for me, a lot uh, a lot of it, Mike, on the offensive end is that how effective he's going to be versus switches versus drops. And if you can't create shots uh, one-on-one in switches, then your value as a point guard goes down. Yeah. And so Memphis, it was a, what, a 13-0 start. And I'm sitting there right next to Bill Burka. <laughs> and you know, man, first of all, shout out to Bert, like 95 years old, still going to summer league. It's 111 degrees outside. And this man's up there writing scouting reports and getting angry um, at the, at the way that the Lakers were playing in that game. And I'm like patting him on the shoulder. I'm like, can I get you anything coach? And he's just like, God, that was great. He's like, leave me alone. <laughs> oh man. And, um, and so I, but Memphis treated that game, at least it, this is how it felt in the building. First of all, all of the grit, not all of them. Many Grizzlies players were there courtside. It was like Jaron Jackson Jr. And, and Tillman were there sitting next mm-hmm. to each other. I'm like, and, you know, Roddy actually played minutes against the Lakers. And they very much wanted to win that game. It, like, we can't – this doesn't count the same, right, as a regular season game. But we're mad about losing to the Lakers in the first round. And young guys, go out there and kick their ass. Uh, and they did. And they switched and they junked up the offense. And this is one thing that I had heard to get back to JHS. You know, he – Really good in the screen roll situations, but didn't necessarily show a ton in Indiana that he could just beat his guy off the dribble, take his guy all the way to the to the rim, like basically create his shot by himself uh, from that spot, which is it's which is a whole other skill set that we now think about more from a, a wing standpoint than a point guard standpoint as positions have as position labels have gone away some. And so I liked how you guys laid out what he really is and kind of how he defines himself and, and how he plays. So what I'm thinking when I'm watching Summer League is is less about the games itself, but all right, how is this guy going to actually play um, on the team that he's on at the moment? Mm-hmm. Or if not, then like, what's the point? What's What are you going to get out of JHS? And to me, this is more of a, uh, like, let's see in the next couple of years, as opposed to a, a player that you plug into the rotation um, this year, because of like what his main strength is, is they just have obviously many guys who are going to be able to do that at a, at a higher level um, in this, in this regular season. And you didn't really get to see him much off ball, which might be the the way that he could play. Oh, big defender, big guard. You know, can he, can he defend NBA wings? Um, How does he move his feet against the quicker point guards? You're not going to get many answers in summer league on stuff like that. Like there weren't, there weren't many other like high, super high quality guards, like NBA quality that I, that I felt like the Lakers faced where we could see, oh, let's take a look at how this matchup is. You know, whereas for Max, he did get to show, show some of that as the 
as the defenses focused a little bit more on him, you know, or he got to defend a couple of bigger guys in the wing, that kind of thing. So I, I guess what my point is, I don't know, I don't know if I have a lot of answers, but I trust in what the scouting, uh, the scouts were looking for at how could he be, where could he evolve to be in the next three, four years, right? And, and getting into that second contract, like, and I, I still believe that there are some really nice tools there. Um, I'm just having a harder time seeing how, you know, how he could be jump some of the, the really good veteran talent that the yeah. Lakers have you know, for this season. And by the way, that's fine. That's why you take a shot like that, I think, in the draft. I'm right there with you on that evaluation. And speaking of guys who you think about, who are they going to be in three, four years? Uh, Maxwell Lewis, our second round pick this year. A fun player that showed flashes, who also struggled and had some, yeah, some head scratchers of, of plays. I just want to point out of all of the new guys that we had, he's the one that had the biggest jump in competition. And so he played in a mid-major conference. They had Gonzaga in in that conference. And so they had one really, really good team. But by and large, they, you know, not a great conference, but also their team was a bit of a mess. And so he was this kind of really talented standout player on a team that did not function that well. I think they were below 500. I, I, I don't quote me on that, but um, not a very good team. And so everybody else, Castleton uh, and Hodge were both in the SEC. Uh, Jalen was in the Big Ten, and Max obviously was in the league last year. That's the biggest leap, and I thought that that very much showed. But there were also points where it was like, look at this guy, but also other points where it was like, ooh, he's got a, a ways to go. So, Darius, what did you see from Maxwell Lewis? Yeah, a bit of a roller coaster ride for him. Um, I thought as the, the summer league advanced, he seemed to be less certain of himself and as that certainty diminished so did his effectiveness i see the tools for him as like he could really shoot it as a spot-up guy towards the end of summer league he was turning down shots in order to pump and go and the pump and go was very effective for him earlier in summer league but part of it was because he was hitting spot-up jumpers Right. And so he was the recipient of a couple of those swing swings or a skip pass here or he's in transition and he's in the corner and suddenly he finds himself open. And it's just like, OK, like I can knock that shot down. Then guys close out at you a little bit harder. And he was pumping and going and he was getting into spots and he had a couple of like dunk attempts where he's drawing fouls and you could just see the athleticism pop for him. He's probably also going to be the guy who has the biggest adjustment from what his like college role was to what he will have to be in the NBA. And when you combine that with the jump in competition that, that you just, just described his learning curve is probably steeper than any other player like Castleton. You could already, we'll get to him in, in a little bit. And even Hodge, like you could tell that the bones of their game are, very similar to what the bones of their pro game will be. And they can expand out of that in this environment, but contracting it back down to a more role player style of game at the pro level, I don't think is going to be difficult for for them. Lewis to me is a guy where I see the tools and I'm super intrigued by him, but he's going to need to get on the right path. I think in order to be the player that I think the scouts probably envision when, they wanted to draft him. 
so what the as as we all know, uh, I don't watch a ton of college basketball, and and yet what I like to do, especially once we get closer to the draft and start to get an idea from some of the scouts, and um, you know, do a little bit of deep dive here and there. And so with Lewis, he was kind of and Pete, you alluded to this, like the guy at Pepperdine. So he played with confidence and aggressive, and he was going to get a ton of shots up and. You know, it looked more like he was uh, trying to fit into the team concept here. And he came off the bench for every game except for the um, the fourth game in Vegas when he started with Christie not playing. And I actually I kind of like that from a mentality standpoint where like showing that you're going to have to um, fit in some as opposed to just playing the same exact way that you played in school in that not all against inferior competition because they played some good teams, but mm-hmm. just the talent level overall was a little different. So I thought that was fine. And he seemed to bring good energy on defense. He seemed to be trying to rebound uh, the basketball. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well, uh, especially the, the games that I was at and made me think a little bit to of Max and the adjustment that he made with his shot. Um, and, and like, I think that that could come because like basically the tools and the talent and some of the flashes are there for a guy that you get at number 40. And I, I, I don't know that he got to show a ton of that, although there were bursts and pockets of it, but I think that the G league could be really good, um, for him this year to, to be able to track his development, especially when we've seen the South Bay Lakers bring success for a lot of the Laker players that have gone up the system, you know, most recently Max and to a lesser extent, Austin, who wasn't playing as much there, but like there, that to me is, is the exciting part of what Lewis could bring. Very much so. I, I, uh, he's as Darius alluded to the guy that has the steepest learning curve. I'm curious to see how it works out for him is that he's got a pretty low release point. He's got a little bit of an, an unusual jumper when he's open, he knocks it down, but I do wonder if NBA closeouts are going to bother him or to what degree they do. But to your point about uh, him spending the year in the G league, I think that's going to be very beneficial for him. And just, yeah, he's somebody that depending on his work ethic and depending on just the opportunity that he gets, you know, I think he's definitely got the talent to be successful. Um, Our two way guys, the guy I was really looking forward to going into this summer seeing was Demoy Hodge. Um, and he showed he struggled a little as the better players went out of the game. I think he's the guy that's probably the most dependent on playing around shot creators and just other good players. But I was cracking up at the reaction to him. Everybody was like the Leonardo DiCaprio meme D where he's watching TV and he points at the TV. It's like everybody's like, oh, that's KCP. That was exactly my reaction the first time I saw him play. And it's funny, kind of the carbon copy and just he's a great guy. If you ever get to hear one of his interviews, like he's just a I'm a I'm a big Des Moines Hodge fan. Uh, Curious what you saw to him. He is a little menace. That guy. He is a menace on both sides of the ball. He gets after it offensively. He gets he gets after it defensively. Mike, he had some uh, he had some sneak attack steals where guys have their back turned and he's just going going behind him and poking the ball away, creating deflections, getting some turnovers. I wrote about just how good his hands were and how quick they were because he was getting a lot of on ball uh, deflections and couple reach-ins and, and steals when it looked like guys had had him beat and he was just able to to get the ball away from them um i thought he showed really good instincts offensively as like a cutter and someone who's used to being pressured in in certain ways 
as an off-ball worker. And so he showed good instincts on when to back cut and when to finish his cut through a lane or how to come off a dribble handoff. Um, he had a couple of good passes to Castleton when they were working two-man game on like empty side side actions. And there was just a lot to like about Hodge. Uh, super quick shot shot release. Um, he's not as big as KCP. At least it looks like when he's on the court. And, and so that quick release is going to be super important to him because, Pete, you mentioned um, NBA closeout speed before, but there's also NBA closeout size. And a quick release from a bit of a smaller player. Like, he's not super small, but he's maybe 6'3", six, six, maybe, it looked to me, right? And, 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 and so getting that shot off is going to be trickier. Um, but if there was a guy where you looked and said, like, if there was any player that's on the Lakers roster that was on this summer league roster where I said, who would be the best fit next to like 2015 LeBron James? Like <laughs> Max Christie and Demoy Hodge would probably have to like like yep. arm wrestle for for that distinction because both of them are like, oh, you're the exact archetype of player that on a LeBron team where it's just like you could actually do some things. And so I'm super intrigued by Hodge. I don't know if he'll ever play in real meaningful minutes for like this. This Lakers team, like the the pathway for that, it would be kind kind of tricky if we're already talking about like Shafino, not necessarily even getting a chance. But Mike, I really like Hodge. What did you see up close? Yeah, I I liked Hodge too. I, I had this is one of the players who right after the draft finished, you know, somebody sent me a text that was like, "Hey, keep an eye out for this name." You know, like we like this guy and think he could be something. And you know, the shot looks real. Like the, it's uh, not that's not something that I think needs to be tweaked. Um, and the I was talking to a scout at one of the games. He and while I was talking to him, he made a couple of like really nice cuts uh, to the basket. I think I don't, I don't think he got the ball uh, on one of them, but just kind of like smart basketball stuff. He he's definitely not a combo guard. He's more of like a pure like shooter. You know, and to me, like, I don't I don't know that he's going to be in a spot where you're having him run screen roll and all that at, at, at any point. But mm-hmm. um, and yes, yeah, like scrappy defensively, like so just just kind of a, a nice player. Um, so I, I I'm curious for sure. And then you, you guys had mentioned Castleton earlier after the let's see. So the fourth yeah after the Memphis game um, was talking to a couple of coaches and, and like he just defensively is where he's going to have to prove uh, that he can hang, I think, in the NBA. But some really, really nice skills offensively. Like, uh, yes, the efficient scoring, but like I, the passing, just some of like the, the hoops IQ stuff I really liked um, out of him. And like that for an undrafted guy, um, both both he and Hodge, uh, I, I just think are there's something there. You know, there's something that I didn't I, I didn't walk away from those games being like, eh. Don't really need to see those guys again. So I'm intrigued by both. For sure. And I think that they're going to uh, be fun together because a lot of the passing that we saw – and one of the takeaways that I'm curious if this applies to the parent club is we played a lot of five out in summer league in part to take advantage of Castleton's 
on ball skills. Like he was grabbing and going. He was getting rebounds and pushing it up court comfortably himself. Super intriguing skill player. Like you, like you said, Mike, really good passer on a lot of those smart cuts that Demoy was making. Castleton was finding him. So I think there's some, uh, some potential for some fun basketball on the offensive end, uh, on the G League side this upcoming season. Um, I, on, on Castleton, like I, I have a personal policy to try to not race right to a player's weaknesses is the first thing that I gravitate toward. And with him, I feel the urge to do exactly that more than just about anybody. Um, but I, I will say the offensive skills, like the passing and ball handling for his size is just elite. And he does get some blocks, right? He has some defensive ability to work with, but he's so slight of frame D that guys just start going through his chest in a way that if you're at that build, you probably have to be able to make to uh, make four rotations, four man rotations, uh, perimeter rotations. At, you know, if you want to stay on the floor defensively. So I think that's the big thing with him, and why I want to race to that weakness is at that spot, especially in our style of playing defense. Everything's being funneled into your five, and if a an offensive player can go right through a, a player like that's chest. We saw this with Thomas Bryant even, right? And TB is a much bigger guy than Castleton is. If you can go if you can go through his chest, it makes things really difficult for your defense. So I I'm probably lowest on him of the the guys, even though he was leading us in, you know, a few stat categories in summer mm-hmm. league. I just don't see I don't see the path to him being that kind of defender, but the skills are are, are really there on the offensive end. He's an NBA player offensively. He's a big question mark in TBD defensively. And it just so happens that the position that he plays is the most important defensive position in the NBA. So I'm not exactly sure how that works out for him. Um, I made a comp very early in seeing him to, um, to Hartenstein, which like Hartenstein has, find, has found a way to stick defensively with his activity. He's, he's put on some weight. And yeah, he's bigger. Like is, yeah. is like a sturdier guy, and so who knows if if Castleton can make similar gains like after a year in an NBA strength and conditioning program, or a year and a half, or two years. Right, he's on a two way, but he's the type of guy that can have a career in this league. And I would say the same about Hodge. And that's like as undrafted guys just sort of seeing how their skills yeah. translate to the NBA. Like those are huge wins. For the Lakers scouting department, I am like in my opinion. So I'm not exactly sure what Castleton is going to become, or 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 if he's going to see even a second of playing time as a two way guy for for the big club. But I I really like what he showed offensively, and when you when the things that you do offensively translate so cleanly to the NBA level, like it's hard for me to say like oh, he can't have a career just because his defense isn't where it needs to be. You can try to protect him in all of these other ways in order to get him on the court where he could run, dribble handoffs, and and do all of this nifty stuff with the ball because that stuff is valuable, man. If he can extend his the range on his jumper out to the three point line and become a comfortable three point shooter, he becomes like a very difficult guy to keep off of the floor because he's a really complete offensive player at that point at that position. But yeah, it's it's curious to see what happens. But like you said, we've got guys who can play. I think uh, from from this uh, incoming draft class, and it was exciting to watch them do their thing at summer league. All right, we will be back. 
to talk about the Lakers are looking to, you know, fill that 14th roster spot. Uh, still talks about the big. I want to talk to you guys about about the big man situation. And then uh, the in-season tournament. Mike has thoughts and we have a, a debate to have about the new in-season tournament. So that'll be the next time here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. I love it. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Missing. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. With a little talk to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.